Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Spotcast, episode 33. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jonathan Kuline in Mississauga, Ontario. Hello there. I'm stuck in a transporter accident somewhere between Seattle and Portland. We're not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Somewhere in the neutral zone between Portland and Seattle? Yes, exactly. That's that's it. that's what it is. Yes. So, um, yeah. and this is going to be a special, uh, special treat for you this week. It's going to be a double episode of the latest Star Trek Discovery. We try to reschedule our, our recording so that we come out close closer to the actual broadcast. So we're going to do the last, the previous episode, which I think was Point of Light or something. He's opening up his IMDb. <laughs> yes, the Point of Light. And this, this week's episode was An Obel of Charon, whatever that means. Anyway. Yeah. An Obel for Charon. Is it? Oh, yeah. for Charon. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anywho. Uh, so yeah, let's start digging with some uh, fact check um, to start off with. So I've got some on here. I guess, did you do any fact check, Jonathan? You know what? I, I did do fact check this week because i felt bad about last episode uh but you actually got more fact check than i did and you got the ones i got so uh, you may as well you just you're the fact check god now. i got you okay all right yeah. well 16 minutes in on episode 32 we i discussed for all mankind which is a great uh, criterion collection movie it's filmed by the astronauts it was actually i think i think it was originally produced in, or made released as a film in 1989 um and i'm I was talking about them thawing out the film and rescanning it and creating a better version and and that was for the blu-ray version on the, on the show last week i said dvd version but i meant blu-ray version and uh, so i believe it was criterion collection on the the dvd release and on the blu-ray version the vhs version i'm not really sure and i don't know if i still have a copy of that to be honest with you um on vhs which for those of you who don't know is tape <laughs> and uh just as another side note on the um film is the music was actually done by brian eno and daniel lanois when they first started getting together around the time that they were doing all that crazy uh, U2 and um, stuff. And uh, so the soundtrack is called Apollo, and it's an amazing, amazing disc if you're into that kind of music. So if you like the music in the in the film, definitely t- check out this Apollo CD. Even even if you don't want to watch the film, I recommend, highly recommend the Brian Eno disc. It's one of my favorite discs. At 2226, the kid from Gotham, as Jonathan called him, is, is an actor named David Mazuz, and he's the one that plays, uh, plays uh, Bruce Wayne in the uh, Becoming Batman kind of show, which is what Gotham is all about. 
Um, actually, it's more about the detective and the Joker and right? yeah, it, it's sort of a little bit the kid's story, but yeah, it really is sort of uh, the yeah. It's, it's got Arkham about, in uh, there Jim, and all that Jim kind of Gordon. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They did say this week uh, that the, the as it builds towards its finale, which is coming up this year, that uh, uh, Batman will appear. Oh, really? Um, yeah. So they will apparently have Batman as a character, but apparently David is not going to be the one in the costume. They're going to have uh, uh, Body a double? stunt player or something in the in the costume. Interesting. And at 38 minutes into the show, I mentioned, I said Oko was what they call uh, O.S. Kuhn, but it's actually Owo is what they call her. And at one point, Pike says, oh, oh, you know, hit the helm or whatever, turn on the shields or full speed ahead or whatever. Um, she's the helmsman on the, of the Discovery. And uh, it's Lieutenant Owas Kuhn. Um, and again, I mispronounced it last week as well. It's 1446. Both of us mentioned May Aheron uh, in the show when uh, Jaime was asking about this uh, imaginary friend that um, Tilly seems to find. Um, but we did, I, I had put it in the fact check, but then I went, when I listened to the show again, I realized we actually did say the name correctly. And then finally at um, 105 in the episode, Aiden Gillen is the this, this star of uh, Project Blue Book, and, along with uh, Michael Malarkey, uh, Kizna Solo, and Lauren, Laura Mellon. But Aiden Gill- Gillen is, plays Littlefinger in the uh, Game of Thrones series. And I guess, you know, since he was, you know, spoilers, um, dispatched from the show, he was able to take on Project Blue Book as a, as a film vehicle. He's also been in a few other movies, too. Yeah, he was in The Wire, actually. He oh, was, was he originally uh, in The Wire? Okay. Yeah, he was. That's where I think a lot of people sort of first got to know Aiden Gillen. He played the, the uh, he played a counselor who went on to run for mayor and uh, become the mayor in uh, Baltimore. Very, very oh, really? oh, cool. memorable. Is he British? Memorable character. Uh, I, I think he's Irish. I'm not oh, 100% okay, sure, okay. But, but we will fact check that one for next week. But Yeah, I mean, like even there. Idris Alba, who's the star of uh, of The Wire. I knew him from Luther. I, I didn't watch The Wire until I'd already seen a few seasons of Luther. Um, he's an English actor, and most people don't even know from, because he plays, what's the name of the character he plays in The Wire? He plays the main, main bad oh, guy. Um, Bell, uh, Stringer Bell. Stringer Bell, yeah. People don't even know that he's he does such a good American accent that people don't even know he's British. Yeah, I just looked up Gillen. Yeah, he's from Dublin. Dublin, yeah. okay, cool. Real-time follow-up. Yep. All right. Um, so in the in our headline section, um, I posted a link here. We, I mentioned we were talking about Resident Evil uh, uh, last week in uh, Resident Evil Apocalypse. I don't know if it's the second or third f- uh, film in the franchise was actually filmed. Well, a lot of these things are filmed in Toronto, but in particular, they used our downtown city hall, which is at Nathan Phillips Square. Pictures of Mila Jovovich running down the side of the, the building. It, it's and it's it's funny. It's an iconically '60s style, um, uni- very unique building. It's been used in, I think it was used in X Men. Our city hall, the actual main hall, was used in in X Men for one of the movies. I think the first one. Um, mm-hmm. And then yeah, it's it's it's. I think it's also in um, the. Uh, Handmaid's Tale in the first first season of the TV show. You mm. see that same building, yeah. It's an iconic building. It is. Um, as well, I also saw, posted here that I saw um, we were talking about Bruce Wayne and, and how Bruce Wayne is, is quite a different character than Batman in his portrayal, and, and I kind of sort of loosely said that uh, uh, Adam West, you know, did a very, not a very good, you know, sort of um, portrayal. I mean, he was great Batman. Obviously, he's the first Batman most of us knew. But uh, there's an actual episode where um, they call Bruce Wayne on one phone and they call Batman on another phone and of course you know Bruce Wayne standing there with back in the old days you know when we had wired phones you you had to hold the the receiver up to your head and whatever so he had two receivers and he was 
you know, he would take the, he was talking to Chief Gordon in, sorry, Commissioner Gordon in one ear as Batman, and another one he was talking to the chief, I've forgotten his name now, O'Hara, Chief O'Hara? Chief O'Hara, yeah. yeah he absolutely. was talking to him in the other one as Bruce Wayne, and then at one point they decided, well, why don't you just talk to Bruce Wayne yourself, Batman, right? And so they hold the two receivers together, right? And, and it's a, a bit of funny bit about that. So they hold the two together so Batman and Bruce Wayne can talk to each other on these two phones. <laughs> and, you know, of course, you know, Adam West is doing, and he's got the phone one ear and he's talking in the Batman voice and then talking in the Bruce Wayne voice. And you can see in that scene that actually, he actually does have a different cadence and delivery and kind of the, uh, the way of speaking when he's one character or the other, which I guess sort of plays up the ruse. But what was funny about it, though, is if you if you know how these old receivers work, you had an earpiece and a microphone that you would say, so you put the earpiece up to your, your ear and obviously speak into the microphone part. When they put the two phones together, they put the two earpieces and the two microphones together so it is that would be impossible for that to work yeah <laughs> anyway so I, i've got a clip here to that youtube uh, piece so you can watch that it's pretty funny nice yeah and as an underrated actor actually i think adam west i think uh I, i've heard some stories especially as he passed away a couple of years ago uh people were talking about how he really uh got pigeonholed a little bit by that role yeah, but sure. that he was he was a pretty brilliant comedic actor again he that batman role was meant to be campy and funny and he was good and campy and funny it just it now in retrospect, it doesn't work as well, but he was he was good. He was really good. Yeah, I don't know, but if you take it with if you if you take it with the same intention, it's it's actually a very great sh- uh, TV show to watch, right? Um, oh yeah, it's Batman. It's one of I think both of us are very fond of that show. Yeah. It's our first Batman. Yeah, Batman again, Powell's people turn their back on it pretty hard when everybody got into the Dark Knight theory, but yeah. uh, but it's it's a great show for its own merits for sure for sure. Um, now I put this one here, the, the new oh yes, uh, this is uh, something about the cast of Dune. So they're remaking Dune. Um, and it's funny because I, I read some tweets online that people are talking about Dune as if they don't even know there was a movie called Dune Made. Um, <laughs> with Sting and, wow. uh, and Patrick. I feel old now. So, um, But Oscar Isaac has now been uh, in negotiations to be in it. Rebecca Ferguson as well is in it. Um, I don't even know who these people are. Zen, Zen, Zen. Oh, Tim- Timothy Chalamet is going to be the star, right? right? Oh, is he, oh, he's going to play Paul Atreides. Who played Paul? Paul Atreides was the guy from, from um, what was that, uh, famous uh, uh, Twin Peaks, the star of Twin Peaks. Yes. What was his yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. Ugh, killing me. I'm killing you. Anyway, um, yeah, so, because he was original. And, and uh, Captain Stewart, uh, or, or no, Captain Stewart. Patrick Stewart, Patrick yeah. Patrick Stewart. Uh, Captain Picard was actually in, in this movie as well, the original one, right? Yeah. But Dave Bautista's going to be in it. Kyle McLaughlin. That's the, the fellow's name we're missing. Kyle McLaughlin. Right, Kyle McLaughlin, yeah. And Stellan Sarsgaard is going to be in it, um, as well as Dave Bautista from uh, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Blade Runner yeah. 2049. Yeah. And, yeah, and it's, um, it's uh, what's his name? Denis Villeneuve, right? Right, the, exactly. uh, the yeah, yeah, director. Yeah. So, uh, a little Canadian connection there, and also uh, again, we I think we really liked the film that he made for uh, uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Right. So yeah. cool to see what he can do with that world. I, I've heard an interview with him talking about it before he even got the job, and I know he's a huge uh, Dune fan. But he specifically said, "I am a huge Dune uh, Frank Herbert fan." Oh, really? Okay. So I think he wants to do a more faithful adaptation, which is actually kind of cool too. My friend Mark is a big Herbert fan, and, and I start I read the book, and I probably got three quarters of the way through it, and I don't. Know no, like he really was turned on by the book. Have you read the book? I haven't. No, it's it's always been on my. I feel like as a sci-fi fan, I should I should pick that one up and read it. But uh, it just I've never made the time for it. I mean, I may be jaded by having watched the first Dune movie, which wasn't that, in my opinion, great. But 
Well, I mean, David Lynch is, he's a definitely have a, has a distinctive visual look as a filmmaker. Um, but was that David Lynch, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. That, okay. I'll have to go back and look at it again because, you know, obviously. I, I may or may not have a copy on Blu-ray here at the house. May or may not. Hmm. I think it's actually on uh, on the Netflix or the Hulu or oh, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. something I can watch. I've seen it. I've seen it go by. Yeah. yeah cool. I'll have, to, I'll have to sit down and study that one to see, mm-hmm. see how much better the new one is, I guess. Yeah. All right. So you got, oh, travel just canceled. I don't want to hear this. Go ahead. Yeah. So bad news for Tim. Uh, news this week that Netflix's uh, Travelers show has been canceled after three seasons. So uh, bad news. People enjoyed that show. I know you were a fan, uh, but alas, it is coming to an end. I kind of wonder uh, when Will and Grace sort of came out of the closet, you know, as it were. Um, well, yeah. 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 I mean, clearly the paychecks would probably be a little better for working on an NBC sitcom than uh, a, a well, tra- more obscure show, shall we call it? Blatant? Yeah. Well, Travelers. I actually watched Travelers. I think I watched Travelers on Space, you know. I don't think I, I yeah I think it's actually a, yeah I don't know if it was a space show first or what the what the um, if it was a partnership or if Netflix picked it up for international distribution after that or whatever but that's the I was reading an American story and it said Netflix is travelers so um, right well I know they've been showing it for the last last couple of years right so maybe they they owned it or something but you know it, it's, yep. it's funny because it was I didn't watch the first episode because when when I saw the previews for it I kind of went eh, I don't know but then I just started watching it and and got hooked and went back and I even watched the first episode again but it had an interesting, interesting idea, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it, you know, typical of like the third season, it kind of started getting weird. So I could see why they would want to just sort of pull the plug on it. Yeah. And, you know, like it had an interesting, interesting concept. Maybe the story arc was, was always there to go where they were going to go. But, uh, I think I, I kind of often wonder if, if the writers really have everything fleshed out, you know, at first, yeah. you know, like a lot of these apocalyptic things, they, they end up having a, an odd twist or some point in the future. Right. Yeah. I mean, some of these things are just, it's hard to keep the momentum them up right right yep what else you got speaking of shows that are that are demising uh legion we got news this week that uh legion will end its run after season three um now i read the stories a story from the hollywood reporter they uh said in here that it was always the intention of the series creator no holly to finish it at three seasons it was always meant to be a three season uh series um i wasn't aware of that going in i think we agree that season one was pretty breathtaking season two was pretty darned weird yeah. i mean interesting really always always visually always interesting choices but but really like dense and almost you had, you had to pay attention that was the other issue, issue too yeah oh yeah you couldn't you couldn't dual screen that show it is it is you have to watch all of it um there are huge long stretches of the show where no one speaks or it's just uh you know musical effects and stuff it's it's very very uh unconventional television but really really interesting sometimes um so sad to, sad to hear that, that one's coming to an end Although I think it'll be interesting if this is the vision of the creator of the show to see if they're able to stick the landing. Um, we also got news this week that they have cast a uh, couple of actors to be uh, in the final season. So we are going to get David's parents. And of course, from the comic books, David's father is Professor Charles Xavier. Oh. Um, so. Oh, like uh, actual, actual real guy. Well, the the comic book character. Yeah, like the father expert. Like David Haller's father in the book is is uh professor x oh okay cool so they've announced that they are going to uh bring in uh harry lloyd harry lloyd uh most people will know as viserys who is um viserys targaryen from game of thrones the uh jackass older brother of daenerys who right, yeah. uh, meets an un- untimely demise in uh the first season by having gold molten gold poured over him uh yeah <laughs> 
he um, got his crown. So he got his crown. That's true. Um, and meanwhile, uh, the, the actress who's going to play his mother, Gabrielle, is Stephanie Corneliuson, who is the... Uh, She's on Mr. Robot, and she plays Joanna Wellick. Okay, cool. So, yeah. So, we're going to get uh, some interesting new developments on the final season, too. So nice. Something else to look forward to. Yeah, we've had two uh, seasons already, right? So, we're getting a, two we're seasons, getting a third yeah. one? Okay. Th- third and final. Uh, we got news of a comic book that is definitely going to be a TV show now. So, FX, the same network that shows us Legion, is going to be showing us uh, Why the Last Man. So, Why the Last Man, a uh, very popular comic book through DC's Vertigo imprint. Uh, they uh, It's a story about uh, the last man alive on Earth. A plague wipes out every male uh, on the planet, but for one. And it's about this guy living in this world where he's the only man on Earth and he therefore is this incredible uh, commodity to be fought over and or um, uh, sought after. And uh, really, really interesting, really, really cool series um, that came out probably a good 15 years ago. Um, it had been talked about for years that maybe this would be a good TV series or this would be a good film. And so now we know it's coming in 2020 to FX. So very cool. cool. All right. uh, we got news this week that uh, we're getting the voice cast coming together for the uh, cartoon series Invincible, which uh, for those who are not comic fans is uh, by the same creator as The Walking Dead. Uh, Robert Kirkman is the writer of this series. And uh, so Amazon is going to be putting this am- uh, animated series on. And apparently it's a one hour uh, animated show, and they say it's going to be very faithful to the comic. Now, the comic has always been one of my favorites. I was a day oneer on Invincible, um, and wrote about it quite a lot over my time covering uh, uh, comics and pop culture. So it's very cool to hear that this is coming. Um, we knew that it was coming, but now they've started announcing the voice cast. Uh, Stephen Wen, who was Glenn on The Walking Dead, will be playing uh, Mark Grayson, who's the the uh, titular hero, Invincible. Uh, his father um, is going to be played by J.K. Simmons. Mm. Uh, Sandra O oh from Killing Eve uh, is going to be uh, also on the show. Seth Rogen. Jillian Jacobs from Community. Uh, Zazie Beetz from Deadpool 2. Um, Mark Hamill. Walt Goggins. Nice. Jason Manzukas. Um, yeah, it's going to be a star-studded cast. And apparently it's going to be very faithful to comic and it's going to be uh, an adult animated superhero show. So it's that is book it a TV is, show? Yeah, it's an Amazon TV show. So it's going to be on, on Amazon Prime. And it's going to be hour-long episodes, eight-hour-long episodes for the first season. They say it's going to premiere in 2020, and they say it's going to be just as bloody and uh, go to as many sort of weird and dark places as the book. Now, it's a superhero story, but there are some really weird twists, and Invincible gets into some pretty nasty fights that are, you know, blood-spattered and, you know, with many a, many a casualty. So, um, it, it'll be interesting to see how far they push that, but it sounds like they're going way in on this show. So, I'm really, really excited about this one. Cool. Uh, we also got news this week. Walking Dead gets renewed. It's going to get a season 10 at AMC. I suppose that's not a surprise, although having not watched any of season 9 so far, I guess I should be a little surprised. Maybe <laughs> other people are still watching it. Um, of course, uh, no Andrew Lincoln. Uh, Norman Reedus apparently is going to be the uh, the uh, first on the call Lincoln. sheet, number one oh, cool. star of the show. So that's uh, all you Daryl fans out there will be excited. Uh, we got also got news this week. So, that, so before, uh, before you 
you go too far on that. Um, sure. Laura Cohen has now Lauren, cemented yeah. her role as this uh, detective, at least on CTV mm-hmm. up here in Canada. So mm-hmm. I think the fact that that uh, she's um, what's her character on uh, Walking Dead? Uh, Maggie. Maggie Ma- has yeah. left mysteriously. She just kind of wanders off at one point, and uh, everybody kind of goes, "Where did Maggie go? I don't know where Maggie went. It's a, it's a big secret." And so I have a feeling Maggie's uh, probably gone for a while because she was having. I think we met, talked about her on the show last year. She was having contract troubles with uh, the folks over there. Yep. So. Yep. Um, there is apparently there was a story this week as well, though, that she dropped just a little hint at uh, during an interview that there have been some discussions as they are doing. Andrew Lincoln is apparently going to come back as Rick and play Rick in Walking Dead films, whether those are made for TV or theatrical. Oh, see, they haven't right, said yeah. there is talk that there may be a Maggie centric spinoff, but she said that that was very much just something that was discussed and not something that's in 100% going. But it was interesting that apparently she hasn't sort of said, no, screw you guys and I'm leaving. She's apparently open to that uh, possibility. So interesting. Right. Mm. Uh, news this week from Disney. So they had a uh, an earnings call where they were talking about what they were going to do about their R-rated properties that they're taking over when they finish their purchase of Fox, which is expected this summer. And uh, there was some discussion about whether or not they would start messing with some of the things that have been happening in the Marvel superhero world, where Fox is, of course, pushed harder into the edgier side with things like Logan and Deadpool uh, and the forthcoming New Mutants, which is apparently supposed to be a bit of a horror flick. Uh, they assured their uh, their shareholders this week that they are not intending to mess with Deadpool. They do not intend tend to uh, tone it down. Now, a couple things about that. One, um, good, because I don't think you should mess with something that's so successful. Um, so I also wonder if that is a reflection of the fact that they did try doing a PG Deadpool release at Christmas time, just sort of gauge, I think, maybe see how things went. And I don't think it actually did very well. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, if they follow through on that. But they did say, yes, we, t- we fully intend to keep doing R-rated movies, but they probably won't won't have the Disney banner on the front, which makes you wonder, are they going to keep Fox as an imprint around so that they can distribute those types of movies? Mm, same. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, they, so they're buying Fox? They are buying the uh, the 20th Century Fox film properties. Uh, properties, and they are buying their television properties. Uh, they are not buying the television network. They cannot own that because they already own ABC. Oh, I see. Okay, right. Um, but they are, yeah, so they will basically have the, the license for all those properties. So they are buying back all the X characters and the Fantastic Four. Yeah, but I, I, from I thought Fox. I heard you say, so are they going to use the Fox marquee when they roll out these, you know, non-Disney Well, they could. They could. Um, they've already, they basically said in so many words, we, we intend to continue doing R-rated movies like Deadpool, but they do not anticipate so Tinkerbell scrolling out the, the little... beginning is what I'm getting at, right? Yeah, you're, you're not going to see the magic castle and then see Deadpool swearing up a storm and chopping people's heads right. off. Yeah. They'll probably use another imprint, whether that's keeping Fox as an imprint so that they can do that because it's a brand or whether they will create a brand new brand for that remains to be seen. But I, I guess it makes sense to me. If you've got a brand people know uh, and trust, why not? Sure. Unless they, they kind of want to spike it because they can. Sure. Okay. Uh, and last for me. So news this week that uh, in celebration of Black History Month, February, um, you can get a selection of five free Black 
Black Panther digital comics. Um, so I've already done this. This is really cool. So if you go to Marvel's uh, website, and we've got a link at our show notes, if you go uh, follow this link in the Hollywood Reporter story uh, to this site, uh, it will take you to a spot where basically if you have a Marvel uh, digital account, which is pretty easy to set up, you can download a, f- a selection of five different uh, Black Panther comics, and you can read those on your uh, phone, tablet, device, or computer, and uh, it's a nice little freebie for uh, for Black History Month. So pretty cool. cool. I highly recommend. There's actually a couple of really good ones in there, so uh, definitely worth picking up. And uh, don't be surprised if you want to read the rest of them, because they're all number ones, and they are number twos that you're going to want to read after that. Cool. I'm just sending one up here all while we talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we, while you do yeah. that, I'll, I'm going to touch on a couple of things sure. that Jaime put into our notes. Okay, so yeah. I was going to say, we Jaime, often do that. We steal his stuff if, he, if he's not here. We're, it's really, yeah, we'll, we'll give credit where credit's due. Jaime threw these in there for us. So uh, a couple of good, good things in here. So, uh, of course, the Super Bowl was this week, um, and we got to see some cool stuff. So uh, we had a, a great um, Game of Thrones Bud Light crossover commercial where uh, it played like kind of like it was going to be a bit of a farce. We had a, a knight come out like uh, he was the, the, the cock of the walk and he was uh, wearing his Bud Light uh, well, it was shown right after they, they showed a, a big, long Budweiser commercial about like five a play or two before this. Right. So so yeah. you were like, oh, I'm not. An, in fact, Mark on, on our, our Patriots fan on the other podcast was like, oh God, not another Budweiser commercial, right? So they totally, totally got him. Yeah, and then it, of course this commercial halfway through sort of twists and uh, he's about to have a jousting match and it turns out he's actually jousting the mountain from Game of Thrones right. who knocks him off his horse and uh, off camera crushes his skull a la, um, you know, previous episodes of Game of Thrones and then the dragon shows up from Game of Thrones right. and torches the bandstand, the grandstand and everything and it just, uh, and then it says, you know, Game of Thrones coming in in April, which was again brilliant little crossover between those two uh, properties. But uh, but yeah, very very fun uh, little fantasy moment in the middle of a sporting event for us yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, fans of that. Um, good uh, another teaser trailer. We keep getting all these little uh, little thirty second teasers from uh, Toy Story Four. Toy Story Four. We got uh, a glimpse at a new look for Bo Peep. Uh, we didn't get to see her in Toy Story Three. She was sort of written out. So cool to see her back in. Hmm. Um, so neat i wonder how they'll how they'll answer that but again really cool to see a a favorite from the first two movies come back uh we got our first look during the super bowl also at the twilight zone reboot we got a look at jordan peele and again a nice sort of weird uh you know he's he walks onto the field at the at the atlanta stadium and the crowd disappears and then there's all these multiple jordan peels in the crowd is really really cool very moody uh glimpse at this weird new twilight zone that he's got planned right, so yeah. i think uh yeah it was again one of those ones that sort of piques your interest um nice new trailer for captain marvel um and speaking of captain marvel we got uh news this week that captain marvel is going to be the first disney plus exclusive film uh after its theatrical release which means no netflix so this will be the first uh disney uh marvel film Mm -hmm. that will not be ending up on netflix um so i guess that means we're going to get um what's the most recent one i guess we got ant-man and the wasp i guess that was it because 
because we're not going to get uh, Captain Marvel and we're not going to get Avengers. So that's it as far as new first appearance on Netflix movies from uh, from Disney. So once again, Jaime is going to have to buy into another service if he wants to keep watching those shows. So yeah, so uh, this is the Star Trek uh, slash Rent parody that you never knew you needed. And basically what it is is a video, of like a music video of the characters from the Discovery, uh, Anthony Rapp and, and Saru and um, Sunika Martin-Green doing a parody of the of the musical Rent on the set of Star Trek Discovery in uniform um, <laughs> and talking, like singing the sort of the, the tune, but they're talking about singing uh, as, as if, uh, you know, relevant to Discovery. So, so I guess it's a, I don't know if it was made as a commercial or a parody or a D- DVD extra or whatever, but it, it leaked out onto the web. And so. Well, they did, uh, the, those actors, so Doug Jones and, and uh, uh, Sidney Kigua Martin Green and uh, Anthony, Rapp, Anthony yeah. Rapp, and I feel like somebody I think else, everybody else was just yeah, three of them, um, did one of those carpool karaoke episodes for uh, Apple TV. Oh, did they? Oh, okay. And okay. Yeah, so that, was, uh, that came out last week, um, which was actually pretty funny. I, I did have a chance to watch that. Um, so this might have been a, a teaser for that. Well, this was with but, James Gordon, that one, you know? Uh, James Gordon, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Gordon, Gordon. Gordon, yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, again, I didn't see the, I didn't see that one until you called attention to it, but I saw the, because uh, the, they advertised it on Apple TV and, um, again, caught my eye with Star Trek and uh, I like James Gordon, so that's Sure, good. cool. All right, well, so this is the main part of the show. Let's dig into, we're going to do a double hit uh, episode of uh, the last two episodes of Star Trek Discovery, um, which are mm-hmm. Point of Light and, I forget what the other one's called, <laughs> Something for Koran or something like that. Anyway, so uh, Jonathan, you've got the, you've got the the snippets here, so you, you lead in, and I'll, I'll harp in when I feel necessary. All right. Uh, so we start our episode with uh, the half marathon being run through the decks of uh, the disco. Uh, Tilly is part of this command training program is running this, this half marathon. She's pushing herself, but of course she's having these weird sort of, she's realized hallucinations where she's seeing this, uh, mysterious character, uh, May, who she of course now realizes after the end of, uh, the last episode is actually somebody who's dead. So I, I don't know um, if you notice or not, but they have new discovery t-shirts last year. There were the white word disco. And now it had like a gold insignia and the letters in gold. So <laughs> yeah, it's very Good cool. For the merch, right. Yeah, absolutely. You got to keep it mixed. You got to keep mixing it up. It's like hockey jerseys. You got a, a new, design every year yeah uh amanda arrives so um uh spock uh spock's biological mother and michael burnham's adoptive mother amanda shows up on uh the discovery and on sarek's ship too on sarek's ship yeah and so we we get this sort of grand unveiling we expect it's going to be sarek that shows up and it turns out to be amanda uh and of course she goes to michael and says you know you got to help me figure out what's going on with spock um meanwhile we get our first look this season back on what's happening on uh chronos on the Klingon homeworld where we see Lorel and Ash slash Volk. What are we going to call in this episode? Know, it's the episode Ash, of the, Ash, the, the Klingon newlyweds, right? Yes, yes. That's, we, we're getting our first uh, look at the uh, marital bliss of uh, Lorel and, and uh, Ash Volk. So um, turns out that th- th- it's not all happy back on that planet where uh, the houses, in spite of the fact that they sort of uh, fell under Lorel as the new uh, leader of the 
of the Klingons at the end of season one. It's not quite a houses united. Um, and we also get the weird re- uh, revelation that their hair is back. That right, yeah. they make a comment that they had been shaving their heads in, to look like in the tradition of Kales. Um, I don't remember reading that anywhere, but apparently Kales made them shave their heads when they went into battle. So yeah, so they, they brought back the hair. We talked about that a couple episodes back that they were going to do that. Um, so they look a little bit like what we establish as Klingons in previous canon, but also a little gray. I do have to point out though that that uh, a couple of things. One one is that their their heads change, the ridges on their heads, and yeah. at one point in the episode when she's when she's going through some stresses, her head actually undulates and and changes. But I don't know if they did that in in the episode to make it to to sell the fact that she has a different head than she had in the first series, right, or first season. I don't know yeah. if you noticed that or not. But um, but the other question I had was, so did we not see her in the in the brig in the first episode of this season talking to Sarah? I think that was just. I think that was just a, uh, a flashback. Flashback. Oh, okay. I think it was a flashback to when she was there. All right. Um. So I'll continue on that storyline. So we'll we'll do that and we'll circle back to uh to uh, what's happening on Discovery. So uh, on this Klingon homeworld, we, eventually we learn that uh you know there's sort of these you know uh it's very very Shakespearean. There's these you know people are plotting against Lorel. Well, it's typical Klingon, right? Yeah, and they're and they're very uncomfortable with the fact that while Ash is part Klingon, part human, as this sort of hybrid uh, Ash Vok person, um, and speaks Klingon and acts Klingon, they are people who are very much resentful of his presence. Um, so he's suspicious of what's going on with. Uh, he thinks that Laurel's not. You know, is she keeping secrets from him? She eventually. Uh, he eventually finds out that she has been hiding the fact that she and Vok had a baby, um, who is also. Al- albino like Volk was. Um, he says, you know, I don't care. I love you. You know, I can't believe you hid this baby from me. Uh, you know, we got to be that. Uh, we got to be parents to this baby. We'll we'll sort of write out whatever happens. So they go to retrieve this baby who's been living sort of uh, under the guardianship of her uncle. Uh, but they go to pick up the baby and turns out that this Klingon counselor, Kolsha, who's been working against them, uh, has kidnapped the baby and demands that Laurel turns over over uh, power in the empire to him. Um, Ash and Laurel show up. If of course it's a trap. They it's a trap. Get, it's a trap. It's a trap. They they uh, get into this big fight. There's some sort of funky looking batless kind of weapons. Um, some butt kicking goes on, but Kolsha gets the drop on them and paralyzes them, and then gets her sort of fingerprint on a on a, a signature of resignation. Uh, but then this mysterious figure opens in, and sure enough, it's the emperor. It's Emperor Dark Georgiou to the rescue. Uh, She comes in, saves the two of them. They kill all the bad guys. Uh, But basically, she puts it to Laurel. Listen, you know, you can't, you know, we're not, we're we're here to make sure that your regime stays in power and that you guys stay out of trouble and that you guys will start another war with the Federation. So uh, we're going to have to do something about this. So they force Laurel to give up Ash and the baby. So the two of them get uh, Amber grade by uh by Georgiou. they put them on a ship they take them out of there well, but the, the play is you don't t- find that until the very end but it 
it's like she pretends she's killed them off, Lorel, right? Yeah, that's right. So Lorel goes to the council, holds up the severed heads of Ash and the baby, and says that Kolsha, who actually tried screwing them over, died protecting her. Um, she says, you can call me mother, and uh, basically sort of renews her investment in taking care of the Klingon people. Meanwhile, we do find out that uh, the Emperor has taken Ash and the baby aboard their ship, which is a cloaked Federation ship, by the way. Um, and of course, as we sort of knew from the end of last season, she is part of Section 31. Uh, we find out that Ash is going to send the baby to live with these monks who uh, basically live in seclusion. The baby will never see him again or see Laurel again, but uh, he knows that that's for the best. And we get the sort of conclusion that uh, the Emperor has been doing this in part to stabilize the Klingon Empire, but in part because she wants to recruit Ash into Section 31. And it looks like at the end of the episode, that's what happens. So pretty cool Klingon uh, bringing them back into our world after they were such a big part of the first uh, first season. It's nice to get back in with them after three episodes. So very sure. cool. Um, back on Discovery. So uh, yes, Amanda had arrived. Uh, she, turns out she had stolen Spock's medical file, but she can't open it. She asks for help. Uh, Burnham takes it to Pike. Pike ends up helping her out. They open it up and they realize that Spock is actually wanted for double murder because he apparently uh, went crazy when he was at the um, psychiatric ward. Um, so then we get uh, information that Spock uh, from Amanda that Spock had actually seen the Red Angel. That is the big, big mystery of this season when he was a child. So Michael had run away at one point. He apparently had this vision of the angel and the angel told uh, him where Michael had gone and so apparently that had made this very severe impression on him so we, now we get a clue that this thing has occurred um, to Spock before so we didn't really know where he had seen this before and he'd been drawing it now we know exactly where that came from mm -hmm. um, Michael confesses that he uh, that she rather um, had deliberately spurned Spock um, to try and sort of um, okay what was her motivation there I can't remember what she said she said she sort of spurned him because she didn't want him to um he wanted he didn't want she didn't want to be responsible for his emotions or something right. yeah something like that so amanda's clearly uh mad about this mm -hmm. finding out that uh that she was mean to spock <laughs> quit picking on your brother yeah yeah pretty much um and so that was sort of the end of of where we left that part of the story right yep. um meanwhile meanwhile uh tilly still seeing may starting to lose her marbles a little bit she goes up to the bridge as part of this command training program she starts uh yelling at may because may is yelling at her but no of course no one can see her and everyone thinks that she's yelling at pike so she gets booted off the bridge uh eventually she sort of has this breakdown where she confesses to um to michael burnham oh you know this thing is you know messing with my head something man. yeah something is it. and so they they eventually deduce that you know something must have happened they figure out exactly exactly as uh spotcast predicted that <laughs> that the spore that fell on her shoulder at the end of uh the last season had in fact been this thing that had sort of penetrated her and it turned out it was this sort 
of uh, aliens. So Stamets um, goes and gets this device and basically exercises this alien out of Tilly and captures it. And uh, we end up with this sort of weird gray fungus blob, looking yeah. thing that they, yeah, blob. Yeah, it looks like uh, like uh, the blob from Ghostbusters um, that uh, they end up sort of locking up. And uh, so now we know that May was not just a hallucination, that it was in fact a living thing that was uh, penetrating her, but we don't really at this point know why. So. Right. Yeah. So overall impressions of this episode, anything stand out for you? Well, the the Klingon piece I could have lived without, that was kind of hokey. And I, I, so I can't remember if this this was another episode that, that had to wrap itself up in 40 minutes or so, um, like the, the, this week's show actually had to do as well, right? But uh, um, yeah, this was it was a bit of a departure from the one before. I guess it was a continuation of the story about the spore and about uh, May. Um, mm-hmm. Well, we got a little bit more of the taste of... Um you know, some of the mystery, what, yeah. what happened with Spock, and we got a little more of their childhood in the background, and where he had seen the the Red Angel, so that was, it sort of, it threads things along, so there are these sort of three storylines, and it, it did get a little convoluted, because we were jumping back and forth, as right. you could yeah. tell from my explanation, um, but overall, I think there was enough to sort of keep it moving forward, I don't think it was as strong as the episode before it, but I think it was also, it, it was sort of the plot exposition episode that kind of had to keep things rolling. Right. And it's kind of, it's funny, because I'm, I'm I'm not getting to the point where every time the transporter goes off, I expect to see Spock and I'm disappointed. Yeah, it, it is funny because that was like all the talk uh, going into the season was, you know, they're bringing Spock, they're bringing the Enterprise, they're bringing Spock, they're bringing the Enterprise. We saw the Enterprise for a grand total of like, what, 30 seconds in the first yeah, episode? Yeah. And then that, then they towed it away and it was gone. Um, although they did leave Pike behind. And, uh, and that's through three episodes we've recapped now. Still no Spock. And as we move into our recap for the episode from this evening... Uh, episode four. No oh, spoilers. Stone's Bach. Yes, yes. Right. Yeah, that one starts off. We can start off with that one. They, they starts off with with number one appearing in the transporter beam when I expected Spock, um, mm-hmm. and she comes to report on her uh, investigations of what she's been trying to uncover about the disappearance of Spock. And I think she may have. Um, which did she successful on on encrypting this file that uh, uh, Amanda had brought or something like that? But she she mm-hmm. found some stuff, and it turned out it was um, uh, Rebecca. Romaine from um, uh, X-Men and from uh, the Librarians, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you watched the Librarian show, Jonathan, but mm-hmm. she's one of the characters in that with the um, guy from uh, Night Court. Uh, John Laroquette. John Laroquette, yeah. yeah. So it's quite, mm-hmm. it's an, I think it's a British show, and it's similar to Doctor Who in its sort of pacing and, and you know special effects and stuff like that, but uh, it's actually pretty entertaining. It's kind of kind of hokey, but she plays one, she plays an American CIA agent in that one, but uh, hmm. yeah, um, yeah, it's surpri- surprising with the black hair didn't look anything like her but you know what what the first thing i did when i saw her because i didn't recognize her right away and we might have talked about her signing on um you know and of course she was the first in command uh with christopher pike in the original cage episode right mm-hmm. um but uh um so I didn't recognize her, but I was, I, I, so I pulled up my IMDb app and I wanted to make sure, I wanted to see if she was in fact the voice of the computer, because that would have been a cool twist. You oh know? yeah, that would be, yeah, Because yeah, uh, yeah, Major yeah, Barrett was, you know, of course the computer voice in the original Star Trek, and I think she was computer voice in most of Star Treks, right? And mm-hmm. she, but she was also, she also played number one in that, 
first uh, first uh, pilot, right? So, mm-hmm. and then she was also uh, what was her name? Deanna's mother, Waxena, Waxena Troy. Uh, Waxena Troy. Yeah. And she was actually in. She was a nurse chapel in the first series, mm-hmm. and I think she played a couple of aliens too, if I'm not mistaken. She, I think she yeah, was one in every episode up until she died, right? Like every like yeah, well, every iteration of Star Trek. She, like, yeah, did she I have think, a character yeah. in in um, Deep Space Nine? I guess she, maybe she played Deanna's mother again in that one. Yeah, I think she may have played Loxana again. Right, yeah, 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 that was a very memorable character. Yeah, yeah. But she was she was a you know a staple to Star Trek, which kind of to sort of the running you know the I have a well, bad feeling was, about this she kind was of character, right? Mrs. Gene Roddenberry didn't yeah, hurt also. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, 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 for sure. Anyway, do you want to recap this one? Uh, sure. So yeah, so from picking it up from there, so we we got news that um, yes, yeah, so Spock is obviously uh, she she has the information that he's uh, on the lamb. He's on the lam that he's stolen a shuttle from the psych ward, and so they start tracking this shuttle. So the the basic pickup point is that, you know, hey, let's get him and figure out what's going on. So they start tracking the shuttle. Uh, when they run into this uh, this Orb. Um, trap, this big alien blob, this giant planet-sized blob in space that sort of sticks them like glue, um, and we get uh, a, a very funny moment as it's clearly disrupting the ship's systems, it uh, it wrecks the universal translator. It hits it with a, a computer virus, and so everybody on the bridge uh, is all speaking different languages. And uh, the, it's spitting out. So what what people are saying is being translated into random languages. So they're speaking German and they're speaking Klingon and they're speaking all these different languages. Italian at one point I heard. Spanish I heard at one point. So and Chinese uh, and Japanese too. Ch- Chinese I definitely heard. Uh, yeah. Um, so with subtitles. Bur- with yeah, Burnham has the idea. Oh, you know what we need Saru she calls Saru to the bridge because Saru actually took the time as part of his training to learn 94 distinctive languages right. so Saru walks around from panel to panel and person to person speaking whatever language that is coming up on their on their keypads or whatever they're saying because he could speak back to them in all their languages again a nice little moment of levity but he's also wandering um, around like like he's got this kelpium head cold which is like got him like you know feverish and sweaty and so on and so forth right so yeah he's he started he's, he mentioned the beginning of the episode that he's not feeling well and then by the time we see him here he's he's starting to look quite unwell um so then we um we sort of learn as he's going through and he's helping Burnham go from place to place trying to figure out how to fix the systems and fix all this cascading virus that's going through uh discovery uh, he starts getting worse and worse and worse and eventually they take him to uh sick bay where he reveals that he's actually dying because the sensation he's going through is something that all of his people go through and apparently it's uh tied back to that short trek episode uh where we saw the people who come and they basically take away some of his people they are being taken away and apparently he says either they are taken away and they die or they die um of fear basically because his he, we established through it the the whole first season and then into this one that his people are acutely um motivated by their fear of death right yeah that their fight or flight is very much you know not there that there is is basically like live or die and the sacrifice um, to these people is is a sort of rite of passage that you know they get to a point in their in their at a certain age that they just go they have to go and that's mm-hmm. been triggered by this have you talked about the fact that it was triggered by this big giant orb thing yeah well that's that's, uh, that's how they eventually put it together is that he's sort of 
is starting to feel worse and worse. And he realizes like, I know all the signs. I've seen this happen before. This is a hundred percent fatal. My people get like this. We die. That's how it goes. Um, then of course we realize that the, he realizes that the alien might actually be trying to speak to them. That maybe the reason he's feeling the way he's feeling is because it is broadcasting. Actually, this. No, no, there, there's right? a point there where there's a point where, um, we, we, we kind of have to go back to the, to the, the, the scene with Tilly and Tignatero and, and, um, and, uh, Stamets where, Oh, well, yes. Okay. She, that's Michael Burner runs that. up to the window and, and they're, they're talking about, they're trying to communicate with this, this blob, which has now attached itself to Tilly's arm. I'm spoiling part of your rundown here. And, <laughs> and she's, and they're saying, we have to figure out how to talk to this, this thing. We have to figure out how to speak to it. We don't understand what it's right. saying. And that's when Michael yes. Burnham realizes that's what this orb is trying to do. It's trying to communicate with us. And she runs back to Saru and says, we need to figure out how to talk to it. Then he yep. says, then he says, <laughs> meanwhile, it came here to die. Uh, yes. No, it's a good point. We, we, uh, I was trying to sort of not, uh, weave in Bounce the second around. narrative yeah, yeah, yeah. here, which, which we'll get, we'll get back to in a second. So, um, so yeah, anyway, we end up with, uh, them realizing that, uh, uh this thing is trying to communicate with them. So Saru's advice is, Hey, let's lower the shields. Let's, let's actually let this thing try and do what it's trying to do, which is clearly trying to share information with us. It's trying to speak to With us. infrared pulses, which only he can see, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So he ends up basically convincing, he and Burnham go up and convince Pike that it, this is the best plan, that, that they should do this. So they, they do that. He says, okay, I trust you guys. They lower the shields. They let in all this info and it basically looks like it's going to overload the ship and it looks like it's going to blow and it does and it goes kaboom and they fully expect that they're going to get vaporized but in its last act it basically shields, it basically pushes away the discovery and directs its blasts in a, in a different direction and saves the ship while in its last act giving it all this information so well, telling a, a story exactly of, yeah yeah very very interesting uh interesting way of doing that um it's kind of a tie into that episode of, of uh, the next generation where uh, picard gets sucked into that uh, alien yeah, uh, probe yeah. and, and he lives an entire life and learns to play this yeah. magical flute and all that kind of stuff and <laughs> yes. he has a whole life as a person and then and and like it takes place like in 10 minutes or something like that in, in real time. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But he, he relives yeah. the, 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 the civilization that's now extinct, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, unfortunately the dying of this thing does not fix Saru. So he is still uh, pretty sure that he's dying. So he goes down to his quarters. This is the first time I realized we got to look at Saru's quarters, which is very funky. It's got uh, like moss and earth. It looks like, uh, it looks like, a, I don't know. I don't even know. Yeah, it's it kind looks of like all, like, all it looks just, like mold has grown all over the place and plants and everything and you know yeah organic. yeah and he's got plants from his planets and stuff like that and he basically says to to tilly that is very emotional or to tilly to burnham they have this very emotional scene where the two of them are talking and they realize what they mean to one another and it's this very sort of you know poignant thing and you start to think to yourself they're not really gonna kill yeah, off saru are they? They were, yeah. yeah and it, it just sort of seemed like very out of the blue and so saru basically says listen um i'm dying and i need your help i need you to take this knife out of the drawer, cut off my ganglia, which are these little protrusions from the back of his neck that are uh, part of his... Um sensing of of empathy yeah, fear yeah, and danger yeah. um and he basically says like i need those i need you to take these things off because that will end my suffering and then i'll just die and and you're my friend i need you to do this so they have this very emotional farewell and just as burnham is about to touch his knife to his ganglia his ganglia fall off um 
And it's this weird, like, now what? So they end up back in sickbay where they find out that Saru is now fine. But not only is he not dead, but apparently he no longer feels that fear that motivates and drives their people, that he actually feels what he says is, quote, power. So cool development. I wonder what this does for this character going well, no, forward. I think, Very... I think what I got out of it was this whole thing about these people having to sacrifice themselves at this point in their lives was a ruse to keep the, their, them down. Oh, I'm sure. Because, I'm because sure now he feels yeah. like it's kind of like he's reached adulthood and and, and he's and yeah. he's never known anybody who's experienced this. and Because all it is is his ganglia fall off and then he's like now just a regular Kelpian, you know, which, but he's not, you know, like, it's kind of like Logan's run where, you know, you reach 25 and you have to die, you know, and nobody knows what yeah. happens if you if you live past 25, you yeah. know? But it, it, it is definitely a reset for the character, though, yeah. because everything that we've known about him for the last season plus, season plus four episodes, um, now can be sort of rewritten. We knew him as this very sort of um, smart, but very also, you know, uh, occasionally, you know, timid or meek sometimes, or sort of non-confrontational. Again, they, they address that he's very empath- empathetic, but also at times, driven by fear, you know, for sure. very trepidatious, very afraid of death, very afraid of danger, um, and cautious. So it'll be interesting to see what this does for the dynamic of that character going forward, as he now basically says, like, I don't feel like I did before. I feel like a, a new person. So yeah, he can go into, a, uh, they could go into all kinds of different directions. It could be like, he could get you know, psychosis and like become you know, a pirate, you know, and, and be like a real evil guy, or, or he may just become brave and have lots of bravado and be able to make decisions, you know, that he normally wouldn't have made before, you know? So they, mm-hmm. they could take that arc on in any, any number of directions, right? You know? Yeah. But a bit cool. Interesting. I'm, I'm curious to see what they do with this next. I, I must admit now I, I ended that thinking like, I want to, I want to know, I want to know what they're going to do with this now. Yeah. yeah. Um, our other plot line that we follow through this episode is that, uh, which we touched on a little bit before was that, um, we have the blob that we discussed before the, the former May Ahern blob, uh, is now in this container inside of engineering. Uh, so Stamets and Tilly and Jet Reno, who was, uh, the engineer that they picked up in the first episode from the Hiawatha, um, are in engineering when this computer virus goes through the ship and starts damaging things. They end up getting basically trapped in the engineering department. And, um, as part of that, the door to the containment room that holds, uh, the mushroom spore monster ends up opening up and it latches onto Tilly's arm. Uh, they end up basically s- sticking her back in with the thing into the containment unit, but it basically is not letting go of her arm and uh, it starts basically doping her up. So they realize it's actually releasing, um, was it cybacillin? Yeah. It's releasing yeah. into Tilly's bloodstream. So she starts having this like mushroom trip where she's sort of, you know, starting to feel kind of trippy and starting to talk funny and she has a couple really funny lines again mary wiseman's a delight um they end up concocting this plan to basically uh try and talk to may uh so they actually need to implant this uh connector to this device in her head so they they literally come up with a plan to drill a small hole in the side of tilly's head so they can implant this thing in her skull so they start uh singing david bowie's space odyssey uh, space oddity uh to you know distract her for a second and stamets literally 
it drills a hole in the side of her head with no painkillers or anything else, which is again a very funny, weird yeah. scene. Well, um, there's a bit of setup here that we kind of miss, and it's part of the part of the orb um, attacking the ship um, sets all the all the computer systems into defense mode, and so the engineering section to protect the warp drive and, and the the spore drive shuts down and locks all the doors, and all that we're left with mm-hmm. is Stamets, Tilly, and and Nick. Tick, Nick Tick, Tignataro's character, uh, yeah, and and Reno, sorry, yeah. Jet Reno, Jet Reno, yeah, and and at, at the beginning of that section, there's a there's a dialogue between Stamets and and Jet, Net, what's her name again? Jet, Jet Reno. Reno, that um, they're like trading insults from the point of view. He's like very mm-hmm. empathetic, and she's being very engineering, and you know, I can fix that with with gaffer tape, and you know, she, she asks Tilly for some gum, and she fixes a part of the engineering piece by chewing the piece of gum and sticking it into the hardware and, yeah. and pushing it back. Into, yeah. into position, you know. So there's a whole yeah. sort of thing. The reason why they, they, they only have a power drill is the reason why they do that instead of going to get a laser or whatever, right? So because they're stu- mm-hmm. stuck in this room, yeah. right? Yep. So then they, they actually manage to implant this thing and uh, they end up communicating more directly. And so we hear the voice that we heard in the last couple of episodes that was May's voice speaking through Tilly. Um, and she says, you know, yeah, we, we're here to make, you know, to communicate with you guys, to talk to you about these horrible, hostile invasions that have been happening in our territory. And Stamus is like, oh, well, we can help you with that. And they're like, duh, you guys are the ones doing this. It's the spore drive that's doing this. You are the ones invading our territory. Right. Um, so... Yeah, decided then, to kind of shut it down or something like that, right? Or close the door. Yeah, or... so then he he basically says, listen, I'm sorry, we'll try and do that. Um, they basically try and figure out at that point how to get this thing off of Tilly. Um, it tries to escape, basically. It, it's, it starts to, like, basically break out because it's like, I don't, I don't need to be here anymore. I'm, like, stronger than you guys. It breaks free of the restraints that they have on it. Uh, Reno grabs a blowtorch, basically, and, like, swipes it up against this blob monster, and it freaks out and it basically engulfs Tilly, so it covers her entire body, um, and falls to the floor. They see Tilly trying to basically, like, escape from it, so they pull Tilly out of it, and then... Uh, they're all basically standing around saying like, wow, that was really scary. Good thing we got out of that. And then all of a sudden you see this sort of weird, uh, glowy effect happening through the engineering department and they're sort of start talking funny. And then you realize that the picture is going a little weird and people's heads are distorted. And it's clear that, uh, Stamets and Reno are starting to get going on a trip and they realize, oh no, something's going wrong. We're, we're clearly, we're having the same effects that of uh, the cybacillin. They're on their bad mushroom trip. So they inoculate themselves against it but by the time they do they realize that uh it's gotten tilly and so they turn and they look and the episode ends with them basically looking through the hole that tilly had crawled out from originally and realizing that tilly is gone mm-hmm. and and dun, yeah. Dun, dun. yeah and in the teaser for the next episode we see that tilly is stuck inside this you know cyclo whatever world so anyway, there's an episode well, yeah, of, yeah. Uh, of twilight zone where a kid gets stuck in a wall the same sort of idea so no new ideas yeah, anymore Narnia? Is he in Narnia? Yeah, I don't know. No, it's, it's the kid's stuck in the wall, and the father has to walk through the wall and find the kid. They can hear the kid, but they can't see the kid. 
yeah. know, and they keep talking to this this part of the wall and then the husband the, the father deci- decides he can actually put his arm in and he walks in and goes in and rescues the kid and brings her back very hmm. creepy yeah well that's <laughs> when you're like you know eight or nine years old yeah so uh yeah so what'd you think of this one uh, this was a much better episode than than the previous one as you said and again it sort of wrapped yeah. itself up within this sort of 40 minute timeline that had to finish mm-hmm. um you know a little bit disappointed that they they almost lose spock like their the whole thing is we got to get out of this situation so we can go catch spock and all the while spock's like you know getting further and further away from them and out of sensor range and that kind of stuff and uh uh mm-hmm. interesting thing that that there's there's a whole lot of like um it's kind of like the star trek reboot from um from you know jj abrams version um because there's all these things like okay so this this big giant orb gives them a hundred thousand years worth of of knowledge and science and whatever because it wants to tell its story which is what which is what they discover it's trying to do so it dumps its information down to the core and they're able to improve their sensors and find out where spock is actually going because they, they you know at the end of the episode they can it teaches them how to extend their sensor range but so all this technology Technology that this that's happening in in this whole version of Star Trek. We got the spore drive. We have the mycelium network. We have this you know this orb that gives them you know hundred thousand years worth of knowledge. Where is all of that in in William Shatner's Star Trek? Yeah, right. That's yeah. my problem. This is this is like the 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 prequels to Star Wars to to the, to a New Hope, right? Because they just they there's so many. Um, new developments that how could obi-wan possibly not know that he once had a relationship with r2d2 you know in in a new hope yeah you know, like the, like these are that well again that's a problem when you again we talked about this before you know the reason i think i'm most excited for that picard series is that it's moving forward and forward you can do anything you can be like hey we invented that the problem is when you go backwards it's difficult to line things up with canon you just have to sort of accept it now it sounds like you know obviously you know when they're talking about the spore drive uh you know it sounds like things are not going well there it sounds like they're having some problems with this alien species that they've interfered with um i think it's going to be easy for them over the course of discovery to basically unwrite the fact that you know spore drives can't work and they don't work and but that said if if you know james kirk if james kirk ever knew any inkling that that technology ever existed he would have rolled you know brought it out and tried to beat trelane with it or something you know what i mean yeah, I don't know. Again, you, you you never know how these things play out. Again, maybe at some point Section 31 gets involved and they eliminate the use of the spore drive and wipe its records. Or, or Spock you know, like, goes and puts his hand on everybody's head and says, forget, you know? Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That, yeah, no, I agree. I think this was a good episode. It was lots of uh, good moments. It was, uh, it was exciting. Tignataro it was definitely, colorful, yeah. Lots of funny bits. Yeah, Tignataro's banter back and forth with uh, with Stamets uh, was, was really the good. Malfunction and, of the malfunction the Universal Translator. That was really funny. So they got sort of up and down again. Very emotional. The the scenes between uh, um, Sunequa Martin Green and and uh, Jack Jones as as uh, Michael Burnham and Saru in that sort of as he feels like he's dying and they're saying goodbye and they talk about the mean. It was really sweet. Like it was really well well acted and like, it wasn't hokey. It wasn't like you know. I mean, again, you really weren't sure sort of which way it was going. You know, you never know with these episodes what they're going to do. You'd think they're probably not going to kill off Saru, but you know, for a second there, I thought. Well, maybe this is a twist. I, they just were trying to catch us off guard. You never know. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny how they have they have these sort of parallel um, storylines too, because they did it again today, where where you know they're trying to communicate with the blob, and that gives uh, Michael Burnham the answer to what the big challenge is: is how to how to communicate with this thing. This orb is dying, and so um, Saru's manifesting his empathy by dying, right? 
mm-hmm. um, and and fi- and you know, like for the for the orb, it ends. But so the the writers, like last week, it was like they used the magnet to unlock the the cellar door and free themselves, and then they used the magnetic magnetism to you know rescue the the entire world by pulling away the the debris. Was this was that last week or the week before? There was the well, it was two two episodes yeah, but, before but, us, I guess. So so yeah. the, and and even even the beginning when the the guy with the the guy that had the cold in the in the elevator scene. Um, you know, he's, he's, oh, Li- oh Linus the Saurian. Yeah, is Linus, yeah, I guess he, um, he's talking about having a head cold or whatever. And, um, but he was having trouble with the universal translator at the beginning of the episode, mm-hmm, right? So this is mm-hmm. this sort of the kind of like, do they think we're that yeah. dumb that we need to have it sort well, of bait, spoon foreshadowing a little foreshadowing yeah, a little and, foreshadowing, and a little parallel, yeah. parallel storylines? It seems to be this seems to be the trope for this this team of writers, right? I wonder if we're going to see this mm. continue throughout the whole series, right? Yeah, well, it makes you wonder. If, like, you should go back and watch these first four episodes again to look for patterns that might repeat well, themselves, or, as we go, or even but. things that are maybe that's what the whole um, the four shorts were about that they they kind of lead into this because we didn't know, like, we needed to know about Saru's sister for this episode right it's it's like you know we needed to have the shorts to sort of show what what saru's life was and about this whole ruse about you know how they how they all end up sacrificing themselves to this this higher power this this uh, slave master relationship that they have going on what do what they used to call it in in uh when when you had uh somebody who owned a big plot of land and they have the poor work on it uh is it serfs oh uh yeah, Serfdom yeah or something yeah. like that you know sort of it's kind of like yeah. this other society that has more technology and eats these guys i guess right um yeah something like teaches that, them that we really yeah there's a day of slaughter or a day of reckoning or whatever and that's where they have to go yeah, and you, yeah. sacrifice themselves for the greater good and then we turn it turns out that seru finds out your ganglia fall off and you know you're you know you're no longer te- meek and timid and mild and whatever right so mm-hmm. yeah I, I i was kind of i was actually wondering if if um oh, what's the name of the actor uh that plays seru doug jones uh, yeah i was actually wondering if doug jones had a movie contract coming up or something like <laughs> I, I, I was exactly where my mind was like well he was in shape of water and that was a yep, big hit yep. maybe he's gonna do something else shape of water too. What's, guillermo, what's guillermo del toro working on next yeah. you know is he may be doing hellboy yeah. 2 or whatever yeah yeah yes he's the new hellboy yeah, i don't know that's, that's good stuff uh so you want to do a quick quick uh, recap of last week's uh you orville know what episode? i really don't want to do a recap of last week's orville because it was yuck can we can we sum it up in a few words well, so then? Here, here's my problem with the orville okay and, I, and i've had discussions with people online about like some of my friends like you know they're loving the Orville and hating Star Trek. I'm like, are we watching the same shows? Yeah. You know, because I'm sorry, the Orville is horrible. It, it really has <laughs> not not gone anywhere good this season. I, I honestly can't think of an episode like, I'm where sorry, I was... Data and Tasha Yar getting it on, oh, that yeah. was believable. You yeah. know? But this... And I'm sorry, this robot or whatever, I forget what his name. Isaac. Isaac. Other than the fact he's got a cool... He's named after Isaac Asimov. I don't know. Like, like it, it just... His whole head and his the way his body... I mean, the one one cool thing I will give you is when he goes into the holodeck and becomes the person, he, it's mm-hmm. actually the actor who plays Isaac. That, that mm-hmm. was... was that was probably the best part of the show was the fact that you actually got to see this guy as himself. But it was weird because you, you look, I'm looking at him going, well, that's Isaac's voice, but is that really, you know, this actor's? And it turned out it was because I checked it out. Right. But 
yeah, I don't know this yeah. whole plot line with the, the doctor and Isaac. Um, you know, we saw it coming. We knew it was coming. Oh yeah, no, we knew it was coming. Yeah, I, I can't believe uh, they telegraphed it so bad. It's they've done this a few times this season where they telegraph things, and you're like, they won't just do that because that's so easy. And you're yeah. like, oh nope, they they did that. Yeah, I mean, basically the whole episode is about the doctor and Isaac basically finally hooking up, and yeah. and uh, yeah, my show notes. I was literally little literally writing it and like writing in my editorial as I was going I'm like oh my god are they really going to do this like I can't believe they're doing this please god make this stop like it was just yeah. it was so predictable it was so uh, contrived it was so formulaic yep. and, and, and it's disappointing because the, the episode was written and directed by Seth MacFarlane who again I am a fan of I have enjoyed a lot of his work but I do not think this was his best the the subplot with uh, Bordis growing a mustache was the best part of the episode yeah, oh no uh, Ma- Norm MacDonald appearing as Yafet in, in the holiday yes well well, that's true. Yeah, that's, that's yes. <laughs> Trying to pick up the doctor on the rebound. Yeah, no, it was um, it was awful. It was it was genuinely. Uh, I, I I was just like, how much more of this is there? How much more of this is there? How much? It was it was not an enjoyable experience. And uh, they're off this week. They're doing uh, a rerun this week. So uh, with small mercy, we get a week off from from it. But uh, I'm disappointed. I mean, again, we're now six episodes into uh, season two, and it is not growing on me. It is it is. It's definitely something I would like to scrape off. Yeah, no, I'd rather go back to watching Supergirl for sure. Oh yeah, Supergirl's good. <laughs> uh, All right, well, why don't we move on to the watch list since it was such a horrible show? We, we can't recommend you watch the Orville this week. No, no, definitely avoid the last episode of the Orville. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, I'll go first. Um, so this weekend, uh, the Lego Movie Two opens, and uh, I was a big fan of the first Lego Movie. Uh, enjoyed the Lego Batman movie that they did, and uh, so now Lego Movie Two, the second part, is coming this weekend. Uh, definitely going to try and see that both my sons are very mm-hmm. excited to see that mm-hmm. one so uh that is very high on our list i'm not sure how they'll be able to match the first one it was obviously uh it was very very well done film um, is everybody back not- like um well, christopher pratt yep. and yep 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 so right across the board so did yep. you see will arnett on um um jimmy kimmel i think it was last night actually uh i didn't see him i saw him on i saw him james was it james corden oh, okay, last week okay the, the it was will arnett and um, oh, who are the other two stars oh, from the show? From, from the Lego oh, movie, Chris Pratt and, and um, yes. Sam Jackson. And and... No, it was the the woman whose name is escaping me right now. I'm going to well, type it I'll, in. While you think like about it, um, so he was on he was on uh, Jimmy Kimmel the other day, and he had just bought himself a tuxedo. So he's on the show in a tux, and he's like he's going on about how he bought the tux because he's he's you know expecting to get all this gold hardware at the Oscars. You know when mm. the Lego movie. Two wins Oscar and he'll get you know best supporting actor and and uh, Jimmy Kimmel says you, you think you get best supporting actor because oh yeah you know you're right I should try aim higher I should get best actor right yeah. <laughs> so he goes nice. on and then of course you know he's, he's you know Jimmy Kimmel kind of explains that you know Batman or the not Batman but the uh, the Lego Movie two didn't get any nominations for the Oscars so yeah well it wasn't released in time isn't there still time for that <laughs> um, so it was, it was Chris Pratt Elizabeth Banks is the actress oh, right. uh, yes, I was trying course. to pick up and Will Arnett. So the three of them went to uh, Space Camp oh, really? on James Corden last week. You can watch this on YouTube. It's great. Um, so the three 
of them went and basically had a competition to see, uh, in the opinion of an actual astronaut, so uh, this is a guy who is like a legit astronaut, walked them through their paces and basically did like the uh, the gyroscope with them. They did the, uh, the uh, what's the one that's the accelerometer, the thing that spins around and makes them feel multiple Gs of gravity and stuff like that. They did all these different tests. They did trivia tests and stuff like that. And um, they were trying to determine which of them would make the best actual astronaut. Of the four of including James, James Corden. Uh, 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 no, I think it was just the three of them. All right. Maybe. I don't know. I don't remember. Oh, no, yeah, it was James Corden, too. Yes, it was the four of them, including Corden. You're right. Um, but it was very, very funny. Very, very, you know, good, If you, especially for those of us who are space fans, too, to sort of see them going through all those very familiar NASA tests and stuff like that, uh, watching the, them go through the. One of them was that they put them in the uh, the gyroscope, the thing that spins three different directions simultaneously. Right. It's all yeah. just warping around. They were doing that while making them answer trivia questions. It was very, very, very funny. <laughs> So I highly recommend you guys uh, look that one up. It's very, very good. Um, the other thing that I had for my watch list is um, I have just finished a show which I really enjoyed on Netflix uh, called Sex Education. It has nothing to do with this podcast, but it's awesome. You Sex totally Education and Russian Doll, what? Uh, no, this, no, we, I just finished Sex Education. I'm telling you that because that means that now that I've finished that one, we finished that tonight, my wife and I, we are now going to start watching Russian Doll. So Natasha Leone's new series uh, just premiered on Netflix at the end of last week. Um, it apparently is sort of, uh, well, I've seen the trailer. It looks like Groundhog's Day. Uh, you basically die, you live, you repeat the same day over and over again. But she keeps dying in stupid and accidental ways and keeps having to reset herself and then try and find ways not to die in the same stupid way over and over again. Um, it looks really, really good. And I'm a fan of hers. And it's um, Amy Poehler is the creator of the show, uh, who I'm also a big fan of. So that is what we will be starting as our next program on Netflix. So what's the uh, sex education? thing you're talking about oh it's this, again that that just came out uh, i think it came out on my birthday um in january so uh it's an eight episode netflix series uh jillian anderson x-files jillian right, yeah, anderson yeah. is is uh sort of the most well-known star on the show it's about um these teenagers in england they go to this high school um jillian anderson plays a sex therapist and her son has learned a lot about the trade by living with mom and uh they a couple of uh, friends at school find out that he is knowledgeable about this stuff even though he is himself a virgin um, and so they basically start coming to him for sex advice and they end up setting it up as this sort of like in school business where people who are having teenage sexual issues come to him and get their sex education and it is delightful it is a really 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 good series I, I thoroughly enjoyed it my wife and I were enwrapped it's very hard to get the two of us to sit down and watch a show uh, we, don't, we don't binge in the traditional sense we try and watch something you know every Every other couple nights or whatever we could fit it in but we actually watched that one in like eight days eight episodes wow. like we were really into mm -hmm. it um it was really 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 entertaining they've already commissioned a second season um jillian anderson is in it playing uh herself with her own british accent which is excellent um she plays this uh divorced um sex therapist in this town she's kind of a um uh love them and leave them woman who basically meets these guys and and sleeps with them and then kicks them out and never wants to see them again and she is charming and funny and really really good the the whole young cast that they have in the show is really really good and uh and i again i can't highly recommend that one has again has nothing to do with science fiction beyond jillian anderson being in it but it is excellent so do yourself a favor and watch that Interesting. one it, warning big warning it is not uh safe for work it is there's lots of language <laughs> and sexual situations in it um but it is very so watch entertaining 
desk, if you don't yeah, mind okay. that. Yeah, don't watch that one at your desk. Maybe not on the TTC, but it is definitely uh, a really, really, really good show that I recommend highly. All right, cool. All right. So uh, I'm going to talk about Jaime's pick here. Uh, he basically, uh, so uh, we talked about Bandersnatch, uh, Black Mirror's Bandersnatch episode, which is a, a um, choose your own adventure kind of uh, show. Um, Netflix has a, a thing called JavaScript Talks, or I don't know if it's JavaScript Talks is like a meetup that uh, Netflix went to. They brought out uh, three different engineers and talked about how they actually made the mo- made this show. You know how they managed to do the the streaming so that you know you, it was seamless streaming. Um, how instead of having a singular linear storyline, you have like these multiple storylines. In fact, at one point they show a sort of a flow chart of all the connections between the the, uh, the thing. And it looks like a big amoeba of choices. And apparently, there are five actual endings for this uh, for the from Bandersnatch. So. Um, you know, and, and they sort of go through a couple of you know, scenarios about like if you didn't make a choice, they would make a choice for you kind of thing after a certain period of time because I guess some people sat there and watched the movie without even touching the remote, you know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but they had to also figure out how to make it, you know, work on the desktop, how to work work on a, on, a, on like an iPhone or an I, or Android device or on your television. So they the whole sort of interaction model was worked out, and and then how they wrote the story script and and that kind of stuff. And at one point, um, in the the one scenario where they actually go into the the office where the girl is editing the Bandersnatch episode on the screens is actually the the flow charts that they were using in the actual show. So, kind of a you know meta moment at that point point there. Anyway, Jaime picked this for for Spotcast. But he also picked it as his pick for more than just code. So, I don't know. Oh. Talk about recycling, eh? Reuse, reduce, recycle. There you go. No, no. The the way to look at it is that he's extremely passionate. Oh, about he's it. right. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, um, my pick is a very simple one. I, I listen to uh, a show called Age of Persuasion on CBC every Sunday. In fact, I, I don't listen to it on Sundays anymore. I now download it as a podcast. And I listen to it whenever it comes out. Uh, lately, they've been uh, running two episodes uh, side by side. So he's been he's been he's got this thing called a digital archive, and he's been replaying episodes from the first two seasons, which you can download for free. Blah 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 blah. But this week's episode, new episode, was called Coming Soon: The Art of the Trailer, which I thought was totally apropos for this show because we're always talking about movie trailers and stuff like that and so he talks about um in this one in this episode about how like the spider-man the original spider-man movie with uh toby mcguire um had a bank robbing scene at the very beginning and the bank robbers jump in a helicopter and they they escape the the whole thing and they end up getting caught in a web which is hung between the two twin towers of the world yeah. trade center of course you know the only yeah. time you ever saw that was was during uh i think it was before another movie but they of course by the time they had to remove that whole scene from the movie because, the, of course, the Twin Towers got destroyed at 9-11. Um, mm-hmm. But talks about other other things, like you talked about the um, Phantom Menace uh, trailer, which came out in the middle of, uh, I believe it was a Denzel Washington movie. You know, 8,000 people, you know, went to the theater just to watch the Phantom Menace trailer, and then a large majority of, which is good for Denzel Washington, but a large majority of people left the theater, which is not so good for Denzel Washington. Uh, I remember that. I remember that at point in time. I remember uh, going to a movie to see and it, they said um, you can't get a refund if you if you're just here to see the Phantom Menace trailer they, they yeah. wouldn't give you a refund you had to sit through the whole movie so, wasn't it Meet Joe Black I thought for some reason that's the one that popped into my mind yeah, wasn't it no Meet for Joe me Black, it was the, uh, uh, it was the, the one Brad the Pitt? one with uh, oh Freddie Prince's son what's his name um, oh Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr. yeah he was in a, in a, a sci-fi movie um, mm. with the guy who played Shaggy and uh, uh, it was like a, a bunch of young young actors and it was horrible 
terrible. Hmm. It was a remake of a of a, a video game or a comic book or something like that. It was just it was not not a good great movie. Great movie. It was I mean it's enjoyable as a sci fi, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure I can look it up. I'll put it in the show notes if I find it. But um, yeah, it's not good. Hmm. But anyway, uh, so it, it's interesting that you know ter- what um, Terry O'Reilly does, and he's not the hockey player; he's the marketing guy. He um, <laughs> he puts together these different shows. He's a marketing guy, a marketing guru, and he talks about how different marketing things work, and you know his episodes on Super Bowl commercials, and there was one on on um, this week's episode was about uh, products being in that, uh, mentioned in in um, commercials. Like for instance, uh, on the BBC, you can't advertise another product in the song. So, like the song Lola by the Kinks actually talked about um, you know just taste like, like cherry cola or Coca Cola, and they wouldn't let them say Coca Cola, so they had to re record a version with cherry cola instead of Coca Cola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this 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 particular one, the art of the trailer, I highly recommend it. Uh, I've got a link in the show notes for it. Um, since we talk about trailers all the time, some of the more iconic trailers that have, have happened over the years. In fact, he even talks about like the, the beginning, the first bunch of trailers before they were even uh, even out there, right? So, like, interesting, like, uh, in, in um, there's one Hitchcock trailer he talks about with the uh, Jimmy Stewart movie. I forget what it, I don't know what the movie is, but um, the whole uh, trailer is about something that happens in, it only happens in the trailer, it doesn't actually happen in the movie. And at the end of the trailer, Jimmy Stewart talks about how this particular thing that just happened in this between these two couples it leads into this this movie right so yeah sort of weird ways that they've done trailers over the years right so you know like like the spider-man one where you know the thing you don't even see it in the movie right so, yeah. yeah, although they did, uh, I think they went and did a reshoot on that one because there is a very famous scene where they're like, you know, very much like New Yorkers stick together and we're all in this together and we'll fight you, bad green goblin guy. And it's clearly uh, referencing that yeah, yeah. scene yeah, for sure. Where you know they're like, you know, it's post nine eleven and there, you know, there's a lot of you know New Yorkers bonding together kind of moment in there too. Yeah, raw, raw. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess that's it for another week. So, hey, Jonathan, if people want to get in touch with you, how are they? Doing? that uh, you can reach me on twitter and instagram as at jpk news all right my name is tim mitra t-i-m-m-i-t-r-a and that's the way you'll find me on twitter with that handle and uh, until next week we'll see you in the future bye bye if you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes visit the spockcast website at spockcast.com you can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on twitter at spockcast If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskSpockCast. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at Patreon.com slash SpockCast. You can find details on how to help us out on our website at SpockCast.com slash SponsorUs. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in the future. Well, I gotta go uh, watch some TV because Thursday is my busy TV night. So yeah, what else is on? Um, well, the Big Bang Theory, well, Young Le- Yeah, I, do, I have Big Young Bang Sheldon and then I, Orville's on tonight, isn't it? No, no Orville tonight. It's a rerun. Normally it is in Car Carnival. Car what do I call it? Carnival? What is it? Or anyway, it's uh, yeah. I don't know the name of the actor, but it's filmed in Canada now. Um, 
I don't know if he's Canadian or not, but it's called, yeah, yeah. Cardinal. Oh, Cardinal, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a cop show. I've heard of it, but never, never watched show. it. Three years, three seasons in. And it's, it's, it's. Oh, yeah. I, I gotta tell you, I finished Lost in Space. That was the other oh, thing, my update from last week. Yeah, I finished, it was good. It was yeah. good. It was not, um. Not out of this world grade? No, it was, it was not, I think, the best show I saw last year, but it was certainly enough to keep me wanting to watch to the oh, end. Yeah. And yeah. I, enough that I'm like, oh, that was, you know, again, it, it ended in kind of the way I expected it to. That original sort of homage, the original cast all being together and actually being a lost just themselves yeah. like that i kind of saw coming um but there's some good twists along the way and you know the, again well done i mean i would watch molly parker read the phone book mm-hmm. I, she is uh, i am madly in love with slash really really love the acting of uh molly parker i i, I am a huge huge fan so mm-hmm. i i honestly didn't Canada even realize zone, she was on the she? show until i watched she is yeah and i i wasn't until i watched the first episode where i realized she was in it i was like oh, okay now i'm in because <laughs> <laughs> she is just so 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 talented and so 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 beautiful mm-hmm. um you know again i i would watch her do anything um i was a was and am a huge deadwood fan um and she was of course one of the stars of that okay. and so um yeah I'm, I'm i'm a big molly parker fan and i would enjoyed her performance very much um and then you know even the, ch- the children actors again some children actors can be um uh you know cloying and whiny and annoying but i actually thought all of them did a nice job yeah, like, it wasn't it wasn't too bad. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I will definitely pick up and watch season two now. I'm I'm, I'm in. All right, cool. All right. Anyway, yeah. I got to turn into a pumpkin. Atta boy. All right. Talk to you later. Always a pleasure. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.